Welcome, adventurers. When our tales first began, a party of adventurers met an ill fate. But what set them on their journey? Joel Rigetti's Speaking Stone Studio presents... Tales from the Dungeon I appreciate you not taking anything from the caravan driver, Orteval said to Snare. The gnome who rode next to him did not turn to look at him, but the hint of a smile touched his eyes. Behind, a small cloud of dust was all the evidence that remained of the caravan. They had come across the merchant wagons just after they turned east off of the last road, onto the road to Sovara. The driver had hailed them, hopping down off the lead wagon, and asking from which direction had they traveled. Orteval had said they had come from the south. The driver's face fell slightly. He was traveling north to Jamato and was hoping to get news of the road ahead. Snare had nudged his pony quite close to the wagoner, drawing his attention as he spoke. The man's eyes lingered on the gnome's beard for a moment. A shame, the man had said, as he stretched his arms into the sky and then bent down to touch his toes, before climbing back atop the wagon and wishing them safe travels. Orteval had responded in kind, before urging his horse back into a walk. I will, however, want my pouch back before we reach the Dea del Fiori estate, preferably with all the coin in it, Orteval said after a few bars passed. The twinkle went out of Snare's eyes, lips falling into a scowl. The pouch flew across the space between them, Orteval's hand reaching out to snag it from the air. Orteval tied the pouch back to his belt, but loosely. There was still time for Snare to steal it once or twice more before they'd reached their destination. After two more bars passed in silence, Orteval caught movement in his peripheral vision. He turned. Snare was gesturing to get his attention. The gnome signed. You still haven't told me how you know the Comatessa Meromendea del Fiore. Orteval's hand raised unconsciously toward his right ear, his deaf ear. He caught himself just as his fingers touched the lobe. I still owe her a pretty large favor, and she has called that favor in. Orteval said, his hand falling from his ear to his saddlebag, pulling out a small letter, waving it in the air as proof. And you owe me a favor, and so we are on our way to Solvara. Snare rolled his eyes. His fingers moved again. Between his facial expression and the snap of his fingers, it was quite clear he was irritated. Thank you so much for telling me what we are doing for the third time. Now will you please answer the actual question? A pause to make sure their eyes were locked. How do you know the Comatessa? Orteval looked back to the road ahead. Rolling hills dotted with oak trees could be seen. Vineyards stretched out as far as the eye could see. Out of the corner of his eye, Orteval could see Snare throw up his hands in exasperation. Orteval reached his hand toward his ear, quite consciously this time, holding the ear as he let out a sigh. 
I was a healer in the Noel Wars. No more time for bandages or magic, Private. Get these soldiers on stretchers and get this tent packed up. The sergeant barked. Orteval looked up from the soldier on the ground before him, the captain catching his eyes. The front line has collapsed. We need to get these wounded evac and get the hells out of here. Orteval looked back to the soldier before him. She bled heavily from a deep and jagged cut just under her ribcage. It had already completely bled through the bandages Orteval had just applied. He reached up to check the pulse again. It was weak and erratic. She wouldn't last long. Private! Orteval's eyes flicked up to the red-faced sergeant. I know you just heard me. The face then betrayed a bit of sorrow, eyes falling to the soldier. We don't have time to save them all, Private. If we're here in another half bell, we could all be dead. The sergeant held his gaze for a moment longer. Orteval stood and touched his pointer finger to his brow, palm face out in a salute. The sergeant nodded, turned, and left. As soon as the flap closed, Orteval fell to his knees and reached out to check the pulse one more time. Was that a flutter? His right hand grasped the silver medallion with the depiction of the gray wolf that hung around his neck, left hand pressing to the bloody bandage. He closed his eyes and whispered, Roselia, grant me your acceptance and grace. With your knowledge, heal this wound. The medallion grew cold in his hand as the other hand on the wound grew warm. The soldier before him gasped, sucking in a deep breath, brown eyes fluttering open. Her arm reached out, grabbing Orteval's male shirt. Where am I? Orteval placed a hand over hers in reassurance. You're at the frontline med evac point. A look of fear and panic came to her eyes. Orteval tried to calm her. You are going to be okay, but we are moving. The front line has collapsed. The fear did not leave her eyes. She's on unit. They are trapped. Their position was overrun. They have fallen behind enemy lines. Just at that moment, Corporal Burnev and two other privates pushed into the tent. The corporal looked to the soldier and then to Orteval. Private, you were told to get these patients on stretchers. A pause. You want to do this with a snarl of knolls breathing down our necks? Move your arse, Private. Orteval looked at the soldier and then dropped his eyes. There is nothing to be done. If they have fallen behind enemy lines, they are lost. The soldier grasped his shirt tighter. No, they are not. Captain Fiore is with them. Ain't an old alive gonna take her down. She has three wounded with her. She won't leave without them. The medallion, still clasped in his right hand, went cold. Orteval let out a sigh. Private! The corporal yelled. Orteval squeezed the soldier's hand and then leaned in and whispered. The panic left her eyes for the first time. She let go of his shirt and he helped her up. She leaned on him, whispering into his ear as he escorted her from the tent. Just outside the tent, he directed her to where other wounded, still able to move on their own, were gathering. Orteval returned into the tent. The other six wounded had been placed on stretchers, the first of which was being lifted and carried out. 
he made his way to the supply shelves and began packing potions into a satchel. Six, eight, ten. Bandages and some pure spirits for cleansing. Padding was placed around the potions to protect them during transport. A satchel went over his shoulder. Corporal Burnev looked at him. What are you doing? We'll get that stuff when the wounded have all been cleared. Come here and help me carry the stretcher. Orteval turned and made his way for the tent flap. Private, where are you going? Private! Orteval followed the directions the soldier had given, making his way through retreating forces at first, following the landmarks that had been described. It was not long before the retreating troops began to thin. Dirty and bloody, they fled on foot or by horse. A gnomish sergeant had yelled at him. You have a message for the front line, Private, because there ain't no front line left. Orteval turned to the gnome and swallowed, white-faced. What was he doing? No front line. Swallowing again. The enemy? Quarter bell tops, Private. Turn around. Whoever you are carrying a message for is dead or is headed this way. Orteval gave a weak salute. The sergeant looked at him for a moment before turning and yelling. Keep moving. We still have two miles or more to the rally point. And then kicked his pony into a trot. Orteval looked about. A quarter bell. There, two hundred feet ahead, was a small rock outcropping. It was a little more than four paces high and maybe half as wide. On the wind, for the first time, he heard it. The clatter of weapons. Howls and yips of the knoll forces. The high-pitched squeals of horses. He still had time to turn. Time to run. Roselia's medallion felt cool against his skin. He swore under his breath and broke into a run. If he wasn't hidden before the skirmish got here, he was dead. As he reached the base of the outcropping, his heart was pounding, sweat stinging his eyes. He made a circuit around the rocks. They were really more of a pillar, almost all sides being nearly completely vertical. This was ridiculous. He made another circuit, and then another. The sounds of battle grew louder. There was only one way that Orteval could see, and it would not be easy. Good thing he loved to climb as a boy. He placed both his hands inside a small crack, not much larger than his fingers, right foot moving to the face of the rock. It felt as if it took forever. His muscles burned as he pulled himself atop the rock, squishing himself as flat as he could. The clamor of the fight was loud now. The air was beginning to fill with dust. Orteval did all he could to slow his breathing. The noise expanded and grew until at last it was upon him, around him. Screams and yells, barks and howls, thrums of bowstrings and the clash of metal against metal. Orteval's breath was slowed, but his heart continued to pound throughout his body. He dare not lift his head. For all he knew, he was visible from all sides. But movement was not an option. And then, after a time that only Gorion knew, the sound began to fade. Away from him and to the north. His heartbeat finally began to subside. He should lift his head. He should lift his head. He had finally just convinced himself to do so 
When? Immediately at the foot of the rock, the sound of heavy footfalls and the scraping on the side of the rock. Someone trying to climb. Should he help? But then, snarls and barks, followed shortly by a screech of agony. There was no helping. He could hear the knolls below, yipping and barking. He could smell them. He could smell blood. And then a noise that brought fear. He could hear the knolls sniffing, shuffling around the base of the rock. He was doomed. It turned out Roselia was not through with him yet. Away to the north, a howl. The knolls at the base of the rock howled in reply, and padded footsteps rushed away. Orteval lay atop the rock, unmoving for a full ten bars. Tears of stress dripped silently from his eyes. Finally, he knew if he did not move soon, he would not move at all, ever again. He rose slowly. No sign of Knoll. He made his way to the base of the rock. There at the base lay the soldier that had screamed, a deep wound penetrating their back. Orteval was about to kneel, about to see what could be done when his peripheral vision seemed to buzz. He looked around. Scattered over the rocky ground and dry grass were bodies. Dozens, if not hundreds of bodies. Some null, but mostly human. A dwarf, halfling, or elf here and there. He looked back to the soldier at the base of the rock and knelt, rolling them face to the sky. He placed a hand over their eyes, closing them. Resilia, guide their spirit to the afterlife. He stood. He still had a long way to go. Once behind the line, he did not encounter any more enemy. He felt a numbness settling in as he made his way south through the carnage. The province had suffered a massive defeat today. As he traveled, he trained his eyes straight ahead, keeping them from the horror that lay upon the ground. He stopped paying attention to the smells, focusing only on the smell of dust. It just smells of dust. After three quarters of a bell, he finally drew near his objective as it had been described. A small rocky hill rose steeply from the surroundings. The hill approximated the shape of a ramp, extremely steep to sheer on three sides, with one slope leading to the top from the north. Atop, many large rocks formed a rough circle. The effect was a natural fort. At the base of the slope stood ten knolls, obviously agitated. On the slope leading up to the rocks were strewn the bodies of more knolls, as many as thirty. The grass around them was scorched. Just as Orteval hunkered down to watch, three of the knolls began to ascend, slinking down low to the ground, moving from body to body. Was he too late? And then from the rocks above, a small light streaked out. From this distance it appeared a small coal or ember, but it flew straight, no arc, and it flew quick. It struck the knoll furthest up the ramp, who burst into flames. The knoll zigzagged wildly before running off the ramp and out of sight. The other two knolls stood, breaking into a charge. A blue ray struck the first, ice forming on its fur, motion slowing to a crawl. The third made it into the rocks, quickly followed by a muffled yelp, 
Ten beats later, the body of the knoll was cast unceremoniously out of the makeshift fort. A voice called out. There are thirty of us up here. We have all the food and water we need. I personally can throw fire and ice all day. A pause. The gnolls began to pace at the bottom of the hill again, yipping and snarling. We can last up here until the rains come. So if you want to save the death of a thousand gnolls, I suggest you let us be. The voice was strong, but Orteval could tell it was also tired. But all of that registered as secondary. They were alive. He wasn't too late to help. He looked to the pacing gnolls. Not too late. But how? Will Orteval be able to save the besieged soldiers? Or will the savage gnolls finish the job? Stay tuned next week for the conclusion of Favors, Follies, and Fate.